Welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. Welcome to the Warrior Mindset. We're doing this live. You'll be listening later, hopefully. I'm here today with a good friend of mine, Jay Cornelius. What's happening, Jay? Hey, man. Good to be here. I love it. Uh, Jay is the president and founder of Nine Labs, which is a web consultancy. It's probably more than that. I'm sure he'll explain it uh, in Atlanta. Known him for a very long time through a past life as a web developer and web design conference promoter. but first, we have a couple of sponsors to thank. Please check out Tacticalories. Jay, I got to get you some of these things. Uh, and Strike Force Energy. So if you buy anything from either of those stores, use Warrior Mindset when you check out. That's what helps keep the lights on. All right, Jay, what's up? Tell us a little bit about Nine Labs first and foremost. Yeah, uh, Nine Labs. We we say that we are a digital product strategy right. company. So definitely not a web shop. <laughs> Well, I mean, it all happens on a screen, right? So right. If it happens on a screen, we can help make it easier to use and, and more profitable. That's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, you think about the difference between like, a, you know, like an Airbnb app or, or some crappy app some other hotel has. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a big difference. And a lot of thought goes into that. And a lot of work goes into making that stuff easy to use. And that's essentially what we do. Well, you've got that pitched down. thanks i've been saying it a few times well you're like uh you're like a lot of us you've been in business for a long time uh you know i think you and i met over 10 years ago yeah it's got to be at least 10 years kind of nuts right it is kind of nuts and i've been doing this stuff you know i've been making stuff for the internet and making software for 26 years i think Mm -hmm. well 25 years um, but yeah, and that's a long time. You know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. You know, I started my first business when I was in high school and never went back, just kept doing stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of what, um, what you want to talk about today is that it you, is. Gotta, you just got to keep doing stuff. It is. You can't sit still. You sent out, I'm on your newsletter list, um, of course, cause you put out a lot of good information and you, you put out, um, this email that was like, I mean, I don't know what it's like in Atlanta or anywhere else anybody is. I'm in South Carolina. So when your email hit, it was like the day of stuff kind of exploding here in terms of, you know, the governor making proclamations and stuff. So it was like the same day. And um, like my inbox and my my text, they lit up with people kind of freaking out like, oh, my God, the economy. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then your email hit and I was like. Damn, now there's a guy who is not just sitting around, right? Like your email was about, yeah, shit's happening. What are you going to do about it is what I got from it. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I appreciate that you, you still read the newsletters and all that. Um, essentially, oh, I, I stalk you, man. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Essentially, the, uh, you know, the, the intent of the, of the email and the intent of, of my whole approach is, is that, you know, 
it's kind of going back to that stoic philosophy of like, you can't control what happens around you. You only control how you respond to it. Mm. So you could choose to be freaked out and you could choose to just like huddle up in your house and be scared of the world and all that. Or you can look at it as an opportunity to, to, to do something. Um, and I think that it's an opportunity for anybody who owns a business or anybody who like cares about their craft to improve that and be thinking about how to get better at what you do, no matter what that is. Mm -hmm. You've got more time on your hands now because you're probably not sitting in a car driving someplace. You're probably not uh, spending time at the grocery store or whatever. So you could be sitting around feeling sorry for yourself or you could be doing something about it. Mm. That's why you're here. <laughs> it kicked me in the ass. I'll tell you that much. Um, so the, the whole the whole subject was shaping your new normal, right? Yeah. You, you started off by saying the in-person economy is eroding. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Well, so we've seen this happen uh, over the last probably five years anyway, right? Like last mile delivery is getting easier. People are buying more stuff on Amazon. There's you know, meal deliveries and grocery deliveries, and you can get people that will come to your house and pick up your dry cleaning and all that. So the idea that you have to go to a store to do things and to get things is becoming antiquated, right? Mm. It was already on that path because Amazon makes it easy to buy whatever you need. Right. 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 I mean, it's, I've got toilet paper and charcoal <laughs> and soap and, uh, you know, all you know, kitchen stuff. I've got all that on a subscription. I don't even have to think about it. It just shows up. That's I've right. Got I do that. Food. I do that for my businesses. It just yeah. I've have got so much of it on a prescription on a on a. On a it just shows up. You know, mm -hmm. I don't have to think about it. So you know, we were already kind of headed that direction, and now that this virus thing is happening everywhere, like literally everywhere, the entire globe, it's accelerated that because now people are like, "Ooh, I don't want to go to the grocery store to get stuff. I want it brought to me." Or and now I can't go to the hardware store to pick up whatever that, that thing is. Now I'm going to make it myself or I'm going to do without or I'm going to have it delivered or whatever. And so this, this idea of you have to go in person to conduct business with somebody is starting to fade. And I think that, um, you know, especially with a lot of the executives and leaders and, and, and people that I talk to, the trend is that they're seeing people be more productive from home and they're seeing people mm. be a little less frustrated with the day to day because they're not spending, at least in Atlanta, you know, they're not spending an hour in traffic in the morning and another hour in traffic at night. You know, some idiots on Facebook on their phone trying to you know, change right. lanes, like dealing with all that frustration. Not to now deal with Tom on his freaking speakerphone next door. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, now all of that, that time can be rededicated to doing something that actually matters. And, um, you know, the managers that I talk to say some of their teams are being more productive. Um, a lot of the individuals that I talk to say that they are being more productive and it's going to be hard to go back to like a, you know, a nine to five office life after this for a lot of people. And so that piece of the in-person economy is eroding too, right? We don't have to be in the same room to get stuff done. I'm in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You're in South Carolina. We're getting stuff right. done right now. Right. Right. So, um, the in-person economy, as I, as I called it, is going to to change. It's going to erode a bit, and people are going to rely on technology even more than they ever have. Hmm. So, yeah, that that's a good point. Um, you also say people will expect to do more things online than ever before. So that's the interesting fallout that 
we might get back to normal, whatever that's going to be, and then we're not going to like it. (laughs) That whole idea of the new normal, like what does that look like? What does it look like, man? So like right now, you know, my my entire family's here, right, in the house. We've been working. We've been doing stuff. Uh, What does it look like now that, you know, our daughter sees that, well, shit, I don't have to go to the grocery store. I just open this app and order what I want, right? Now that becomes the new normal for her. Whereas before, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to go get bread or I'm going to go get, you know, whatever it is that I need. But the new normal is I don't need to do that. Now I can have it brought to me. Obviously, there's socioeconomic boundaries for that. But um, but the new normal is going to be different. We just don't know exactly how it's going to be different. And those of us who decide to take a role in shaping what new normal means for us will have an advantage over the people that just sit back and watch it change. Mm. Damn. Yep. So which position are you going to take, you know, leader or follower? You can do both, right. but where are you going to fall? Well, I mean, you're either the sculptor or you're the clay. Yep. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Spoken from a man who's been doing business on his own for 25 years. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, many of the old norms are going to be not the same. So, what's going to happen when you get back to work, and your your boss is like, "Wow, you're not getting as much stuff done as you were before." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's going to be different for a lot of people, depending on what their jobs are and mm-hmm. uh, and what their boss's attitude is like. Right, In manufacturing. You know, there's certain jobs that always have to be hands on. Mm-hmm. Right? If you work with your hands, chances are you're going to have to go somewhere to work with your hands. Right. But if you work with your brain uh, and there's more and more people who are um, you know, working in you know, whatever you want to call it, the information economy, whatever, you know, their desk jobs, their they're thinking jobs, their typing jobs, their talking jobs, they're not actually creating anything that's tangible. Those people could work from almost anywhere. We already see that. And now that a lot of people have... Um, been forced to use video conferencing and been forced to use stuff like FaceTime or, you know, whatever video calls to uh, communicate with each other. Now they're like, Oh, that actually wasn't that hard. Now I'm kind of used to it. So it's going to become their part of their new normal. Mm-hmm. We're already starting to see some of that with like uh, what Facebook dropped the, uh, the shared movie experience app. What is that? Like watch with me or whatever. Apple's ruling one out. Netflix has the, the, what is it? Uh, watch party. Yeah. Netflix yeah. has got the watch party thing coming yeah. out. Yep. All of this uh, internet connectedness is going to change us. Um, yeah, it already has. And, yeah. and, and we, you know, we as people who care about what happens to our lives should be taking an active role in shaping how it changes us. Mm-hmm. And we do that with our behavior, right? So you know, we vote with our with our time, and we vote with our eyes, and we vote with our dollars. And the things that we use and the things that we pay for are going to shape the way that those products are created going forward. Hmm. You have such an interesting uh, psychological look at things. I think most people, uh, I don't even know how to say it. They they look at things in terms of like black and white. Like I'm gonna. I'm going to go in this direction, but your job and what you do is you literally sit back and watch how people do that and then try to adapt the way your business or other people's businesses react to that sort of thing. I think it gives you an interesting perspective. Yeah. And you know, it's the difference I think from looking at 
um, psychology at an individual level, like that person, that one individual, or I know that my tendencies are a certain way. So that's mm -hmm. how I make decisions to looking at things at kind of a, a macroeconomic level, you know, behavioral economics, like how do people make decisions in general? How do people with certain tendencies make decisions? And in the product design consulting that we do, most of it is focused on, you know, who is your customer? What problem are you solving for your customer? What kind of pain does that customer have, right? Like you talked about some of the people uh, that listen to this show, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. You've got people who are working technology, you've got people who are tradesmen, you've got people who own businesses and people who work for businesses, you know, and, you know, you know you've got somebody who might be, you know, like an electrician or a plumber or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a tradesman. And, you know, that's a very important job. People look down on it, but you own a plumbing company. You're just as much of an entrepreneur as the guy who owns a web design business. Yes, you are. You have a customer. That customer has a pain, whatever that might be. Their sink is leaking or they don't like their water bill is too high. You don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And you have to do a good job as both a business owner and the actual, the worker, the person who's doing the work to have understanding what that customer's pain point is and then solving it in a way that provides value. And that's why they pay you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's important to reframe uh, how you approach business. Um, it, I don't know that this applies just during a pandemic. I think it's like how no, you should no. be working on your business versus in your business. But yep. it's this difference between being a uh, like a service provider or a problem solver, right? So like, let's take an electrician. You are either doing the electrician thing or you're solving problems with the thing that you do, right? right. So, and I think you're definitely in that position of, of being a problem solver. You do it. That's what people pay you to do for them. Um, yeah. The electrician thing so is interesting, right? Because people don't want wires in their house. People want lights, mm -hmm. right? People want air conditioning. People don't want, uh, you know, a box in the wall. People want power to a, uh, you know, a device that they're, they're going to charge or they're going to plug in. Right. Right. And part of the thing with electric, with electricity, and I spent, I don't know, a couple of years um, working as an electrician in oil refineries and that kind of thing. So I've, I've got a little bit of in this. Um, one of the things that people um, don't want to deal with is uh, they're scared of electricity. I don't want to touch wires. That thing might kill me, right? Right. It, yeah, it hurts. It might kill you, but most people they're scared of it. So part right. of what an electrician's job is 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 to to remove that fear from whatever is uh, in the way, right? So it's like, oh, my light doesn't work. My ceiling fan doesn't work. I don't know why, and I'm scared to unscrew this thing behind this light switch because I think it might kill me. <laughs> Part of the electrician's job is to be like, got it. We will handle right. this for you. That's part of why people hire electricians, not just for the right. knowledge, but because they don't want to deal with it. It's, it's scary. Right, right. So what are some, as that problem solver, I think that was a great example of how you just broke that down. What are some things that you would, let's say you're coaching just you know anyone, what are some things that you tell them that they should be doing right now instead of, just sitting back and watching everything on Facebook unfold. Like what, what are some things you coach them to do? Uh, I think the first thing is um, be really mindful about how much time you spend scrolling social media, looking at news mm -hmm. and how much time you spend 
um, listening to the news or trying like refreshing whatever news site you're on, like trying to get the Except this podcast, spend all your time on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Just listen to Gene. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think the first thing is like, there's so much information and there's so much information that um, maybe doesn't agree with each other. So you've got a lot of what people call uh, cognitive dissonance is that you have to try to hold two competing thoughts in your head at the same time. And that's exhausting. You know, the brain is a muscle like anything else. And if you use it for stuff that's not productive, then you're going to wear it out. And at the end of the day, you're going to be exhausted and you won't have accomplished anything. So Hmm. turn that shit off. And focus on like, sit back and think about, all right, in three months, like, what is the world going to look like in three months? Assuming all this virus stuff starts to calm down, what is the world going to look like in three months? And what do I need to do to be ready for that world? What is the world going to look like in a year? And what, it, what do I need to do right. to be ready for that world? And start working on that stuff. Hmm. That's going to be different for everyone, you know? Uh, right. You could be an athlete, you could be a banker, you know, whatever. You you know what your world, what you want your world to be. You know what you want your world to look like, and you can push in that direction. And you know now's a great time to do it. You know, there's there's uh, I forget who said it, and I forget I'll paraphrase it, but um, you know you get more done, or you win by working when the other guy's sleeping. Hmm. Right. Or you yep. win by doing the work when the other man rests. That's and right. right now, there's a lot of people in pure panic mode and they're resting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people who are doing work and people who are making progress towards their goals are going to have an advantage over those people who are sitting on the couch, you know, just binging Netflix. Right. It, it's so simple, right? Like, I think I think we want to make it more complicated than it is. Yeah. It's sort of like, like, I know in fitness, um, that's really most of the problem most people uh they want to make it more complicated they want to count macros and they want to like track numbers and rep sets and things over weeks and days when the reality is just don't eat shit move every day right and it, yeah. and it sounds like you're giving us some very simple advice like that yeah just um, eat more plants and do some push-ups yeah right <laughs> <laughs> it's that simple um all right so uh you mentioned the stoics earlier yep. um, i post a lot of stoic philosophy uh through the feeds here on this on this uh post and we talk about it a lot um what draws you to that mindset um i don't know that anyone's ever asked me that i i think when well, I, how did you discover it how did you discover the stoics uh i, I don't remember that either somebody <laughs> Somebody like quoted Marcus Aurelius or, mm. or mentioned something. Um, the the earliest thinking back now, the earliest I can remember that there was some type of stoic influenced philosophy that really resonated with me. Somebody told me it's got to be thirty years ago. Um, don't react, respond. Mm. And the distinction is in, in like language is subtle, but the distinction in mindset is huge, right? So you can react to how, to something that happens in the world. And that's just uh, like a knee jerk kind of like mm-hmm. uh, reaction. But if you're intentional about, okay, this thing happened around me, I'm going to give some thought to how I'm going to respond to that. If I'm going to respond at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, another kind of maybe early exposure to some Stoic philosophy was was uh, Rush. Like, if you choose not to decide, you've still made a choice. Uh oh, <laughs> Rush fan. Yeah, I like Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's and it's okay to do nothing. It's okay just to say like, oh yeah, that guy just cut me off in traffic. I'm just going to do nothing about it. Like, I can't change it. Right. The only thing I can control is my reaction to the thing. Well, yeah, but you know that's that's where I think modifying the language is interesting. The only thing you control is your response, right? Right. Yeah. And your response could be a reaction, or it could be nothing at all, or somewhere on that spectrum. Anyway, back to answering your question, what draws me to it is, um, it just it just kind of makes sense to me. You know, the more I read about the way that the the Stoics thought about life and they thought they conducted themselves. It just kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's very little in there that that seems fluffy or superfluous. Um, you know, it seems like part of the Stoic philosophy is is again, you know, not really like minimalism for minimalism's sake, but simplicity and clarity. Right. And um, that's something that I've striven, uh, you know, I've strived for in every business and 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 every relationship that I've had is like let's let's get to the core of this. Let's figure out what really matters here and do that part mm-hmm. because the rest of it's just slowing me down. Yeah, it's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> simple is really hard to do. Like yeah. you think simple's easy, but simple is very hard. It's really really difficult. Yeah, yeah. because I think I think like we were getting at earlier, us humans want to overcomplicate everything we do. <laughs> like yeah. we just can't help it. Who's your favorite? Mine's Marcus Aurelius. I don't know. Maybe that's a little yeah. too knee jerk. Well, I mean, you know, I've got, I think I have three copies of Meditations in the house. <laughs> yeah. My stand. I've got one in the restroom, and there's one. Yeah. Uh, you can't see his bookshelf. Yeah. Me, but there's one here. Yeah, that's the one you give your your high school kid. Like read this. Yeah, these. I gave, I gave uh, I've given a copy to uh, each of the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another. Um, you got a moment. There's, uh, I take the covers. I take the the paper covers off all my books. But this one, the Stoic Challenge. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's a good book too. Okay. Look that one up. That's awesome. Um, all right. So you found the Stoics. I mean, you, you've been in business for yourself. You say twenty five plus years. You know, you clearly do not start off. I mean, you start doing something. You're clearly not doing the same thing that you started with. That that requires change. Yep. Um, and it requires that change mindset. Um, what are some of the things that you do, you do personally, to sort of get yourself up for the challenge every day? Um, I want to know how you think. Yeah. Uh, you know, the things I tell myself in the morning, well, one, like, as as my wife said right before we went live, like, you... <laughs> You messed me up with that Bruce Lee quote, man. <laughs> which which one was that specifically? Uh, we were talking about, so when we were in New Orleans earlier mm-hmm. this year, um, we were talking about nutrition and sleep habits and all that. And oh, I, yeah. When you were telling me that you wake up at like 4.30 in the morning and go mm-hmm. to the gym. And, and I said, so what happens if you wake up at 3.45? Like, do you stay in bed for that extra little bit and right. try to keep that sleep? Right. And you said, no, nope. I get up and, you know, I just go early. And then you said, Bruce Lee said it, when your eyes open, go. Mm-hmm. And now every morning, man, that thing's stuck in my head. And I didn't intend for it to, but that, <laughs> that it's stuck in my head. When your eyes open, go. Yep. 
So, so now you got. So now you. I'm blaming you, Gene Crawford. You <laughs> dumbass getting out of bed at three forty-five in the morning and coming down here and doing work. That's awesome. I mean, it is, but I, I'm tired. <laughs> you get tired by four thirty, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. The things I say in the morning, so there's that, and then it's like you know, uh, no, nobody's going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, when you own a business, especially, you are the only thing. You are the person who has their foot on the gas pedal. You are the gas that goes into the machine, and you are the only person who's going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only person who's going to make any difference in your life is you, and you know I, that sounds kind of selfish in a way. Because other people absolutely make a difference in the life in your life. Well, yeah. the people you surround yourself with absolutely make a difference. But you also choose who you surround yourself with. So right. ultimately, it comes back to you. It starts with you. That's a that's a lesson you got, you've got to learn in business too, is that you cannot help others until you help yourself first. Right. Right. Um, right. I see that in the particularly uh, in the gym industry that a lot of gym owners they wind up letting people slide for a long time or giving things for free or whatever, because they genuinely want to help people. Yeah, sure. But then they go out of business and it's like you, you cannot help the masses until you take care of what you're, what you're using as your platform to help other people. So I don't, it it comes off that way, but I don't think it is. Um, We talk a lot about ego on this and I'd like to get your take on um, what, what, what is your definition of ego? I think ego is, um, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, ego is, is your sense of self Mm -hmm. and it's your, uh, in a way it's that person you see when you look in the mirror, but it's, it's the person you see when you look in your psychological mirror. Mm. I dig it. I dig it. I knew you'd figure it out. So we, we talk a lot about differences like ego can be bad in that if you let it get in the way of like relationships or personal growth or uh, you, you, it gets in the way and you make a bad decision on business or whatever because you've got the world wrapped around you. But it's also good in that you need some ego to think you can even be in business for yourself in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ego, just like anything else, you know, you can, you can have like a, you know, a fat slobby body or you can be in shape. Mm-hmm. Right? And your ego is kind of the same way. You know, you can um, you can work on your ego. You can you can really think about what type of person do I want to be, and how do I want to um, how do I want other people to feel when they're around me? Right. That gets kind of sticky and slippery at the same time because uh, you can get stuck thinking that you're there to serve and, and just to please other people. Mm-hmm. And then that can put your ego in a, in a really awkward spot that you don't have the self-confidence unless other people approve, Ooh. which is also not true. Right. Right. So you need, you need a certain amount of self-confidence, but you also need a certain amount of humility to make sure that you're, you, you keep, have to keep your ego in check, but you also have to feed it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, you know, you, you already know this about me and anyone who's known me for a long time is, you know, it's, there's, everything's about balance and you've got to find the sweet spot in the middle between feeding your ego and keeping your ego in check. You've got to find the sweet spot in the middle of, you know, going to the gym and, and thrashing it out and still taking care of your body and giving it time to rest. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to find the sweet spot in the middle of working your ass off to build your business 
and then taking some time off to let your brain relax, right? Yeah, and or so you don't lose your family. Age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a sweet spot in the middle of everything. And, you know, people talk about like work-life balance and whatever, and you however you want to phrase it, you got to find that sweet spot. And I think, uh, I think that applies to your ego too. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said that no one's going to do it for you. Um, I get questions um, about that topic, work-life balance. Uh, and it, you know, it's like, how do I get work-life balance? And I think no one's going to do it for you. And I like how you said that. And I, I, I think it kind of comes down to that same thing is that you have to work on it. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people, like they want work-life balance, whatever that means to them. And they just kind of like are waiting for their boss to figure it out for them. You know, yeah. they're waiting for some program to come along that allows them to have it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, my take is that if you're concerned about work-life balance, you, you, you're doing the wrong work. <laughs> yeah. You're probably like, doing something you hate. Like the only people I really hear get caught up and like really passionate about work-life balance are the same people that I hear talking about how much they hate their job. Right. Right. You know, if you're doing work that is rewarding, then, you know, your struggle is going to be to, to uh, remind yourself to disconnect from that, mm-hmm. which is, in a way, kind of a work-life balance thing, but you have to get your rewards um, from everywhere. And you know, if you are spending, if, if you're a workaholic, you're spending all your time in your job, whatever, you know, whether you own the business or not, you know, that you, know, you aren't doing a good job of feeding yourself all the different kinds of nutrition that you need. Yeah, right. Right. All the different kinds of, uh, you know, psychological and emotional nutrition that you need. You're only mm-hmm. feeding one thing. And then you got to go back and look at why is that happening, right? Why am I making those choices? Right. I'm making that choice because I'm avoiding something. Like some people are workaholics because they don't like their personal life. They don't like right. their home life, right. right? So am I a workaholic because I'm avoiding something at home? Well, the obstacle of the way, man, go home and fix it. Right. You know, make the change. And that for some people, that's fixing it. For some people, that's finding a different home. You know, and I'm, I'm not going to try to prescribe that, but you have to yeah. do it one way or the other, right? Right. You've got to face it at some point. You just have to face it. And 90 times out of, out of 100, it's a whole lot easier once you just open the conversation, just like going to the gym. The hardest part about going to the gym is getting in the car. Man, you're right. That's <laughs> the, the hardest part. part. The hardest part about dealing with, you know, a coworker that sucks is just having that conversation. You're like, hey, man, it bothers me when this happens. Mm-hmm. Right. You go to somebody, you know, uh, child psychologists use the tell kids to, to uh, use this phrase. I don't like it when you do that. Hmm. Right. <laughs> and because right. it's not, you know, it's not saying that you're a bad person. Right. Saying, I don't like is bad. I don't like it when you do that. Hmm. And I could come to you and say, hey, Gene, I don't like it when you do that. And you're like, well, that's what I do. <laughs> right. Right. And then I have to make a choice whether I like you. And I still want to, and I want to tolerate it or whether whatever you do, you know, uh, you know, upsets me enough that I don't want to be around you anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's a, it's a non-confrontational, it's just stating the facts. And it's kind of getting back to that stoic thing about it, there is a reality, observe the reality as clearly as you can. Right. And just deal with it. Wise words. Uh, I w- I'm, I'm going to try to apply that later today. <laughs> I don't like it when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. All right. So you left me with a quote. I asked you what your favorite quote was. And, <laughs> Tyson. Um, what's that? Mike Tyson. Yes. And uh, 
it is uh, what what did you say it was? Uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. Well, right. Punch the face. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that your favorite? Um, I think it's because nobody uh, nobody can sit on their couch and come up with the perfect plan, and that plan go exactly as you thought it would. It does not happen. Hmm. When it does happen, that's called luck, <laughs> and you can't count on it. Who was that? Uh, was it Hannibal from the A Team? They always used to say, "I love it when a plan love comes it when together." A plan comes together. That's right. <laughs> that guy yeah. with the cigar. Har. Always had the cigar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and part of that is that um, it reminds me, you know, because of who said it, Mike Tyson. It reminds me that uh, you have to get in the ring, mm. right? And what you thought was going to happen when you get in the ring is probably not going to go that way. Mm-hmm. But you won't know unless you get in the ring and you have to get in and do your work. That's right. Those are lessons you're going to learn pretty fast. <laughs> right. You, and you just figure it out. Yeah. You just figure it out as you go. And, it, and if you if you did your training and you you prepared mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, you've got good, solid principles and values to fall back on that help guide your decisions, you're going to be fine. And, yeah, things are going to happen that that hurt. You know, a great example is um and i think i told you that i don't know maybe a year ago like we my company we've been doing a lot of work with with travel companies airlines and hotels and so mm-hmm. on and so we decided to focus on the travel industry so all of our work has been focused on helping airlines and hotels and you know similar businesses with their apps and their services and all that kind of stuff right so for the past Nine months, I've been doing nothing but talking to airlines and hotels about doing business together. And then coronavirus hits, mm-hmm. and now, guess what? Everything's yeah. paused. Yeah. Zero. I didn't plan for that. I right. just got punched in the face. Yeah. What am I going to do? Am I going to lay down? Am I going to like lay on the ground and let the ref count me out? Or am I going to get back up and try to find another way to, right. to, to do work? Right. Yeah, you, you've, you've changed to be in this business. You can change to be doing something else. So you can change the way you talk to those people or you can change how you set things up for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it kind of goes back to that scarcity versus abundance mindset. Right. Right. It's really easy to find crappy stuff on the internet, like websites that suck and apps that don't do what you want or apps that, you know, that are confusing, you know, those are really, really easy to find. And <laughs> yeah. companies, plenty of companies who know that they didn't get it right the first time and they want to make it better. Yeah, the, what type of potato am I based on my birthday app? Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a ton of those. I, I get yeah. like go get away. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I like to think of that. I like how you put that. How did you put that? Scarcity versus yeah, abundance. Scarcity versus abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. There's uh, you can just Google stuff and you'll find plenty of, of things about it. There's a uh, uh, a hidden brain podcast has a really good episode about that where they look at farmers in India, I think it was, mm-hmm. and whether the farmer's yield was up or down versus predictions. And then they went back and look at their mindset and how they actually ran their business. And they found that the farmers with the abundance mindset actually outperformed the farmers with the scarcity mindset. Sure. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, we, we do some interpersonal coaching. We call that growth versus fixed. Um, it's probably the same way to put that, I imagine. Um, Maybe. Yeah. I've never heard it put that way. I'll have to look that podcast up. The scarcity mindset is also why all the stores run out of toilet paper. Because right. like, there's not going to be any toilet paper. i got to go get it because it's scarce. Right. 
right? No, right. it's not scarce. They're going to make more. Plus, right. is like you're sitting on a stockpile of toilet paper, but you don't have any food. So <laughs> yeah, toilet paper for again. <laughs> you can't eat the toilet paper. Right. No maybe input. you can. I don't know. Like no input, no output. Why, right. why are you trying to handle anyway? Right. Awesome. Well, Jay, uh, thank you. That was some really great insight. Um, <laughs> are we end on the toilet paper comment? Uh, you have to. Um, you have a book, right? You have Dude, a book that's yeah. out? Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that real quick. Yeah, It's called Loops. Loops. So it's all about uh, building products with clarity and confidence. This is um, really how to how to get an idea out of your head and into the real world. Mm. But really more is like when you see something, when you see a need in the world, when you see that it's like, oh, hey, this thing doesn't doesn't work the way that it, that it needs to. Or I really wish there was a thing that did this. Mm. Uh, going out into the world and seeing if other people have that problem. And if they do, figuring out how to solve it. And then how to build that into a company that can make you money. Wow. That's a great book everyone should have on their bookshelf right now while they're at home watching Netflix. They should be reading that book instead. Yeah. It's a, there's a <laughs> PDF. So you can get an ebook, you can get an okay. audio version, awesome. or you can get the hard copy. It's all on Amazon. Go to loopsbook.com. Loopsbook.com. We're going to put that out there. That's great. Um, guys, check out his book. Spend some time. Work on work on that project, man. Get that side hustle. You know, get that side hustle going. Just, you've got time. Yeah. Right? Good you've good got thing. time. This is pretty much what most of us have is some free time. So let's, let's use it wisely. Let's um, do something creative. Yeah. Uber, Airbnb, Stripe. Uh, Venmo, all those companies were launched in the last downturn. So there's going to be some great companies come out of this one. Yep. Maybe one of them is yours. That is awesome. Jay, thank you so much for spending time with us today. You got me jazz, man. I'm going to leave here and work on some other projects. <laughs> cool, man. Hey, appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to you, Gene. Thank you.